Right, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 14. We'll be in Romans 14 and 15 today. But I wanted to uh, just uh, make a comment here as well. With um, Just over a week ago, we celebrated the life of our good friend and brother, Kerry Ruckle. And Debbie, our prayers continue to be with you and Lane and the rest of your family. And uh, that's always the, the bittersweet thing, because when someone among us passes on, there's that part of us that is that is designed by God to live forever, that we just think, that's not right, that shouldn't happen, and there's this big hole left in us. But at the same time, this hope of knowing that, that Carrie is with God, and uh, and that's what he lived for, is is live to go and, and be with God, uh, and plan for that for many years, and, and that's what why all of us are here. We're planning to go and be with God someday, and we're excited for that possibility, even though the transition time is hard. And uh, so our prayers continue to be to be with you guys, and uh, love you guys very much. Um, and something I I wanted to share that I know that there was uh, for people that were here for the memorial, there was a lot of people from Townsend that came, that people that Carrie worked with and and friends over there, and several people approached me, and I want to share this because you probably wouldn't hear this if I if I didn't tell you, but they, several people approached me and just said. Carrie has told us all about you guys, and we're so excited to be able to come and meet this church because he's always talked about you guys. And, and, this is, and I thought that was really neat. That that's something that Carrie spent years just planting seeds about you, about who you are and, and your faith, and, and I heard a lot about that from, from his friends there. And it was, it was really neat. And the seeds that are planted, and who knows where, those will sprout over time. And in the meantime, one of the things that I thought about over the last week quite a bit is Carrie always sat right here, and he made smart comments to me when I preached. And so I'm going to be taking applications for the next person who sits here and makes smart comments, okay? I'm sure that Carrie would have wanted that. And so um, there's a, yeah, I won't raise hands, let hands be raised. There's a application only, right? But no, there's a, just love it. You know, love uh, Carrie and, and all he brought. And for all of us that are here, there's those great moments we take, we become, we take those into our lives and we continue to live for God day in, day out. And someday, that's, that's the goal, is we all go there. Someday, when God takes us, when he's finished with us in this life, we've run our course, um, because everything's temporary, and we go to be with God, and we continue the party there only times 10, times 100, whatever it is. And, uh, and that's what we're looking forward to. And so uh, our prayers, again, continue to go out to the family in the meantime, but we press on ahead so that we can be there and and meet Carrie one day again. Uh, There is, uh, um, in the next weeks, I'll give you an outline of what we're going to be doing here. I told you guys to turn to Romans 14, and I didn't do it myself. Okay, Romans 14. Um, In the next uh, weeks, I'll preach on Romans 14 and 15 today, part of 16 next week, to prepare what we're going to do for the next few months. Um, as the elders have shared, we're going to this spring appoint some more elders and deacons to help uh, guide the church here spiritually and, and watch over the, the church. And so I'm going to be going through some, some discussions on Sunday morning, some, some lessons on elders and deacons and, and us as a church and how we all fit together. Okay, Now, before your eyes glaze over and you think, well, I'm not going to serve as an elder and deacon, so that doesn't have anything to do with me. What it is, it's just spiritual leadership. It's spiritual direction. How do we make sure that we are, me as an individual and us as a people, making sure that we are looking out for each other spiritually? 
And so that's what we're going to talk about. Um, so no matter who you are, no matter what your place is in life right now, and no matter where you're at on your faith journey, I hope this next, these next few months is going to be something that's really positive for, for everybody in helping us understand more uh, what God wants us to be as people and how he wants us to, to look out for each other and, and take care of each other. And so that's what we're going to be doing. And as we go along here in the next month or so, uh, we'll give a format of how we're going to walk through this process and how we'll, uh, we'll go about going through this process together. Because that's all of us in this together, uh, deciding who is going to, uh, to serve as deacons and, and elders in the church next. And so that's something that it's not just a few of us, that it's, it's all of us that, that work through this together. So we'll, we'll do that um, as, as we go along. Okay, Romans chapter 14. There is uh, the book of Romans, as we've spent some time in, starts out way off in the beginning chapters. Chapter 1, verse 16, 17, saying, The righteous will live by faith. And it's all been coming to fruition as we go along. All these different things that the Romans are having to wrestle with, all the, the different cultural variety that exists there, and how to be living sacrifices and come together in spite of all that, in spite of how different we may view ourselves. And something you'll notice if you go through Paul's letters is he lays the foundation at the beginning chapters and then starts building. And when he gets near the end, he lays out, this is the, re- this is the biggest issue that you've got to deal with right here. This is it. And, and he, sometimes he says that more clearly than other times. But when we look through Romans, he spends a chapter and a half on what we're going to talk about today spends a huge amount of time because this appears to be the big crux of the issue of, of what's, what is very important that the Romans really get through their heads and hearts for, for them to be the people that God wants them to be. Behind us, you see this is an artist's rendition of ancient Rome. Uh, the Colosseum would not have been built. It would have been built a few years later after, after Paul wrote this. And if you know anything about Rome or have been there, you notice that this map is off, okay? Yeah, some of you, I noticed, you guys are looking a lot like, wait a minute, that's not where that, you're right, it isn't. I noticed that after I put that up there already. But that's, a, that's something like what the city would have looked like uh, during the time that Paul would have, would have written this letter here. And so I'm going to give you a little taste, and I'm going to read this chapter a little more than a chapter today, because it's so important just to hear all of it in context. And so what's happening here is there's, there's two big conflicts, or we can put them in two big categories, festivals and food. There is, when you put a bunch of people from all sorts of different walks of life together, they have different festivals that they've grown up participating in and different foods that they eat. Now, for us, there's some food that we just think it's gross, I wouldn't eat that, that's terrible. But there's religious significance to some foods at times with people. And in this context, as we've talked about before, there's the Jewish dietary laws. There's a lot of things that they would have real question of conscience with eating, like pork. They just didn't want to touch that. They wouldn't be near that. They weren't excited about that because of their history. Uh, The Gentiles had other issues with food in that when meat was sacrificed to idols, that food cost more in the marketplace because if you ate that food that was sacrificed to idols, then you would get that power from that idol. And so the food actually was, in a very real sense, uh, an aspect of the idolatry. So people were accustomed to eating this food that was sacrificed to idols, paying more for it because there was power in it. There was strength in it and different than just the, the regular meat that would have been slaughtered. And so you put all of that together, food, 
and festivals are a hot button for contention within the Roman context and these people coming together. Because how do you come together when the very things that you eat disgust each other or are offensive to each other? How do you work through this? Well, Paul tells him, and then we'll unpack it after I read it here. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Except the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand." One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? We will all stand before God's judgment seat. As it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For, if the, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself. As it is written, the insults of those who have insulted you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant to the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the people extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise 
to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hey, just imagine that you are sitting in a room full of both Jews and Gentiles, and you're hearing this, and you're trying to unpack this in your mind and heart, what this means. And so we're going to try to unpack it here as we, as we walk along here the next little bit. I think this, you see that picture up there? That picture spoke to me. You know, that helps me understand this concept here. Okay, so when stuff divides us, here's, the, here's some things that are important to note. There are disputable matters. What we find is that Scripture really shows us the heart of God, gives us some very specific examples, gives us some very specific teachings. But there are many other things on, in Scripture that we do not have a thus saith the Lord about. And so what are we going to do with those type of situations? And in, in Romans here, I believe we can see pretty clearly that Paul assumes that these disputable matters are going to exist. Okay? And that's going to be true for us as well. There is a, there's disputable matters are going to be there. And, and again, what those are, are are things that maybe come from our culture, come from our family of, of, of origin, or, or how we tend to look at things, that we may have traditions that, that we do not even realize we have. The biggest thing that was, that was helpful for me understanding this concept was going overseas and living for a few years. Something I realized that... I had a whole lot of traditions that I had no idea and I was completely unaware of until I got over to Italy and realized, wait a minute here, why do we do that? And I'd scratch my head and think, why, why, did, why, why did I always think that? I, because I realized that some of that was because of, of my culture, just like the Jews and Gentiles. We tend to do things without realizing why we do some of those things. And we bring that to the table when we understand God and, and we try to, to follow the word of God. And so among us, there's going to be, we have to assume, because it was true in the, with the Romans, it's true for us, is there's going to be some differences in those disputable matters among us. Okay, These disputable matters... In, when we're wrestling with those, our conscience determines right and wrong in those disputable matters. Now, there's part of me that wrestles with that. Being a, a Montanan, an American, where we tend to be scientific-oriented and think, wait a minute here, how, how is that possible? Uh, how, does, how does conscience determine right and wrong? Shouldn't right and wrong be determined by what is right and wrong and not just my conscience or how I feel about it or, or what's going on in my head? And what Paul's explaining here, and think about it this way, so if a person who is, who is a Gentile becomes a Christian and, and they become a Christian and they're excited about Jesus, they're excited about, about what, he, uh, what he has to offer and eternal life and resurrection and all this stuff that you'd never heard of before and you're just thrilled about it. And you uh, continue to go down to the marketplace, you continue to pay extra for, for meat and you're eating the meat and you have no question of, of conscience about it. No, no big deal for me. You know, Jesus is, is Lord. And then you keep hearing messages when you come and people that have been Christians a lot longer than you talking about how idolatry or putting anything in the place of God is destructive for us spiritually. And you start realizing, wait a minute here. When I sit down and I eat this huge, beautiful roast, I'm paying extra for it because really, 
I'm still participating in that idolatry. That's what's really going on with me. And you've developed enough self-reflection to be able to realize that in yourself. And you say, all right, here it is. No more. I'm putting that away. I'm not going to pay extra for that. I, I need to... That, that is part of that idolatry that I'm still hanging on to for my former life, and I'm not going to eat that meat anymore. I'm done. I'm, I'm finished with it. And that's hard because when you go to family gatherings now, your family gives you grief about not eating that meat. Hey, we paid extra for this. What's, are you better than us and all that? And you won't eat because you realize that, that that's, you're not going to go there anymore. And you, you're setting an example, and you're not going to go back into idolatry. Well, as you can, and you become a proponent that we need to not eat meat sacrificed to idols and tell everybody that they should not eat meat sacrificed to idols. But as you continue to grow, something happens. And you start realizing how fake and phony all of this, these idols are. And these temples that you walk by every day and these people that are going in and they're participating in these rituals. And you realize more and more that you're a child of God and that you are, are so far beyond this, these aspects of idolatry that you're starting to mentor and shepherd other people in, in the church and you see these, these young Christians there that are, that are wrestling with whether to eat the meat or not to eat the meat and they fall on both sides of it and you're listening as you continue to grow with people that come from other places and you start to realize that, wait a minute, everything that the Lord made is, is good and that's just meat. It doesn't matter where it came from. It doesn't matter if it was sacrificed to the idol because it doesn't have any effect on me. And so you can start eating this meat once again. Do you see how that goes conscience-wise for this person? Is that when they're a brand new Christian, they're eating meat conscience-free. When they grow and they learn that I can't eat that meat conscience-free, but when they become mature in the faith... They eat that meat conscience-free once again. Do you see how that, that works with us? And there's a lot of things that, that, that we can have that same struggle through in life. And this is what these people are wrestling through. And so Paul's point is, is there's, think about, this is for you. What does this do to you? These food and festivals, what does it do for you? And what's really going on inside your head and heart when you participate in these things? Is this pushing you back towards idolatry or back towards traditions? Or is this something that is, that is something much different? Is it something that's, that, uh, that, that you're growing past? So be honest with yourself where your conscience is at. In addition, uh, keep beautiful matters between yourself and God. He says that in chapter 14, verse 22. There is a tendency on the part of myself and probably all of us in, in some way is that we need to deal with everything. And Paul's point here is that, no, you don't need to deal with everything, all right? There is some aspects and some of these things that you do not need to conquer every mountain on these disputable matters because people are going to be at different places in life. And where I'm at right now is not where you're at and where she's at or, or he's at. And so if we continue to try to, just think about what would have happened with the Romans if they spent all of their time trying to teach everybody and get everybody on the same page with whether they could eat meat or not, what happens? The gospel becomes a discussion of whether to eat meat or not instead of peace, joy, and hope in the Holy Spirit. Because you miss the point. The focus becomes meat and not everything else. And so Paul's point here is keep between yourself and God. Leave it alone. No, he's dealing with it. But he's not telling everybody else to deal with this on a regular basis. And there's some things that um, it, it's as long as we are not hiding sin, that's different. 
When we walk through these disputable matters, it does not mean where we're at is where everybody else is at, and so we need to be gracious with others where they're at. Okay? When stuff divides us, again, here's something that comes up. And in chapter 13, verse 10, if you just look back a page, look what it says there. 13, verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And the verses above that, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the overarching principle that we pursue whenever there's things that that divide us. Is, okay, first and foremost, that person is not the enemy. I remember that Satan is the enemy. And how can I love my neighbor as myself? Because God does care about how our our actions affect others. Very much so. You see that from, from this this section here. Paul says, I will never eat meat again if it causes somebody to stumble. I'm, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to create issues here. Furthermore, he says, don't judge one another. So if someone is doing something that, that really bothers you, need to be careful in, in judging what, what they're doing here. Now, if someone is, is for example, uh, as we've talked about the, the Jewish-Gentile debate, just imagine how difficult that would have been coming into a fellowship meal. And you know that the fellowship meal you come into is just going to be uh, a headache and a heartache because there's stuff there that you don't know what's in that casserole. It might be bacon. You know, those kind of things you, you just have to wrestle through. Okay? And, and for us, you know, we can kind of make light of that because that's not our disputable issue so much. Okay? There's other things that if I threw out here, all of us, would be the tension would rise. And all of us, we like that because we have our own stuff too. Okay? So be careful when, and, and don't just assume that you know where the motives of another person are. Okay? Now, another is don't put stumbling blocks in front of your neighbor. Hey, there is times where, in, with, the, with this context, you can imagine these people that are, that are not on the same page about festivals or, or about eating meat sacrificed to idols or whatever it was. And it doesn't mention meat sacrificed to idols, but that was the context. It just mentions in Romans, food. Meat sacrificed to idols comes up in Corinthians 8 and 10. If you look there, there's more. This is a, this is a hot button issue. It's a huge deal. And so there, what, what Paul says is don't put a stumbling block in front of your neighbor. Okay, now what Paul is not saying here is that any of us can say, wait a minute, that makes me uncomfortable, therefore don't do it, okay? That's different, and, and I've, I've seen that, and I've felt it in myself sometimes, is what that is, is that's just a power move to try to, to control what, what somebody else does and, and some of how they apply some of these disputable matters, okay? A stumbling block is something that causes somebody to fall spiritually. The idea being, if you're Jewish in this context, you're sitting at the table, and there's a brand new gen, or excuse me, that you're a Gentile. There's a brand, there's a brand new Jewish convert that comes in, and you say, "Hey, come on over here and eat this bacon sandwich. It's great. Don't you eat it?" And you try to force it down their face. Okay, that's not going to be good for them spiritually. It's a bad deal. Don't do it. Leave them alone. Okay, leave them alone. That's the idea. Is don't put something that's going to cause somebody to to stumble there. And the strong are to be patient with the weak. Okay. There is, if we're in a position of spiritual maturity, our job is to be patient with where other people are and help people keep going the same direction. Okay? Um, this person, as I talked about, is over here 
brand new Christian would, would eat the meat sacrificed idols over here, doesn't eat the meat sacrificed idols once they realize and feel that tension of, of idolatry, and then moves over here and is completely free and knows that they can eat that meat sacrificed to idols, these people over here, most of the time, will never eat that because they know where they came from and they know that journey. And so having a spiritual influence is much more important than being right. And having a spiritual influence is much more important than getting to do what I want to do right now. And so what you'll find is, is that as people grow and mature through some of these disputable matters, they become less matters because you realize what's most important. Okay? All right, tracking so far? More or less? Yeah, there's a lot here. All right. Let's continue on here. Um, I can imagine the Romans, when they walked through this, as they walked through this as a church, the different churches, and there were a bunch of them in Rome, when you read chapter 16, you see this. They had to make some different judgment calls at different times in different places in order to take this, the discussion of festivals and food off the table so that people could come together and be united. Because how beneficial is the Lord's Supper if it always creates disunity among us? We're missing the point. And so the point is taking the discussion, those discussions, disputed matters, off the table so that we can all come together. And so when stuff divides us, this is the point what Paul's shooting for here, is God's kingdom is not about festivals and food because the issues oftentimes become the center. And the point is make sure that the issues don't become the center here. God's kingdom is not about festivals and food, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. And you notice the chapter five, uh, 15, verse 13, I think it is there. I'll read it here. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so the point in all this is that there will be differences among the Romans, and Paul is saying it's okay. But love each other as you love yourselves and find ways to be able to come together through those disputable matters. That's what God wants of you. And so I can imagine the Romans sitting there wrestling through this. How do we do this? This is so strange. It's so different from where we've been before. I don't know how to, how to walk through some of that. And they had a choice because it would have been easiest to run one direction or run another direction and hardest to come together and come to the table and say, God is number one and we're going to find unity here. Now, there is, I know that every time I've taught through this material here, or, or frequently, I remember it's happened a couple times anyway, someone comes to me and says, Chris, wait a minute, you didn't share with us what our disputable matters are. You didn't tell us, you didn't lay them all out. No, I didn't. And there's reasons for that. Because when we just lay out lists of disputable matters or things that we may wrestle with and, and have to, to come to, to understanding and consensus on, it sort of defeats Okay, We deal with those one at a time as they come up and as we walk through as individuals and as a, a, a king, people of the kingdom of God. But what, what I do want to share with you is how to walk through some of this for, for us as individuals and as a church. Okay, One of the things is... Let me share this next picture here, because I really like this picture here. Everything is out of focus except what you see right there. Okay? Our tendency as we grow in Christ is our, our focus of what, what's in focus in life becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. 
But that takes effort on our part in order to grow and to step out in faith and, and really get excited about, about God and what he wants for us. Because we don't want to stay all of our lives with this little tiny picture of, of what the world is like. But as we grow, we, we, uh, we see more. And we see more of, uh, of how God works. And, and there are some things that are disputable matters and try to figure out how to walk through those things. We understand more. So first and foremost, it's all of us have the responsibility to pursue God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and grow. When we grow ourselves, it's helpful for everybody else around us. Okay? In addition to that, for ourselves individually and how we interact with others, is remember that there are always things that are going to be disputable matters among us that we have to wrestle through. And so when something that somebody else does makes you uncomfortable, okay, now that's a phrase that always, that, that, that saying uncomfortable makes me uncomfortable. We can say it that way, okay? Because God has never called us, come together and make sure that everybody's comfortable. It's never, it's never there. He tells us to be faithful. And so sometimes, always, oftentimes, being faithful means all of us being put zone on a regular basis and so let's not that doesn't make me comfortable please don't do that okay that's not in there that that's that leads us down a, a road that's that's not healthy but instead look at the other person look at the people around us and say i love that person deeply they may be in a different spot than i am right now and i'm going to deal with them in a way that's loving no matter what happens no matter how long it takes us to get on the same page and and maybe we won't at times on some things but time has a tendency has a tendency to to put us on the same page over over again time and and pursuing God and part of loving another person is assuming the best uh, when we assign motives to someone else immediately and assume the worst things don't go very well it doesn't go very well in my family when i see my kids do something and i assume the worst motive it's it doesn't it doesn't go well Hey, and so for us as a family, as a church, that doesn't go well when we assume the worst motives with our brothers and sisters. Assume the best. Pursue, again, what Paul talks about is faith, hope, and love, and joy, and pray through these, these times of, of difference that we have um, over, over time. The Romans had the, the opportunity, or are we going to divide and go be with people and people that are like us, or are we going to unify? See, our tendency as people is to sometimes pursue uniformity and not unity. I've used those phrases before. But think about it in these terms. Have any of you ever seen a set of encyclopedias? Okay. Now you just Google it, right? You Google it and all that information comes up. But there was a time where there were encyclopedias that people had in their houses and libraries. And over here you had A, then you had B, then you had C, then you had D, and then what's next? Yeah, right, the next letter in the alphabet. And it just goes, and it's predictable, and that's what... And sometimes we tend to try to put each other in a box like that, is this is what this person is supposed to look like, this is how they're supposed to grow, this is who they're supposed to be, and there's not, they don't fit with this encyclopedia, or something's wrong here, okay? That's not always the case. It's a better for us to think about, because we are different, and we come from different places, is that person going towards God? And are they pursuing God? If they're pursuing God, then leave them alone, okay? Because they're in process just like you and I are. And uniform, unity is, is different. And the uniformity is that all of us need to look the same, act the same, walk the same. And, and it's interesting that um, 
the more that we pursue uniformity, the smaller and smaller we get because the more we get to know people, the less we have in common or the more we see differences. But if we pursue what God calls for us here is to pursue the phrase he uses is unity, is that we work to come together because the most important things we have in common. The most important things is Jesus came, he died for our sins, was buried, was raised, and we have that hope. And if we start there in the things that we see in Ephesians as well, one hope, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father, all. He goes through those things. Those are things that all of us can come together on. And when we focus on those things, the food and the festivals start meaning much less. And if someone eats something different than us, then we're going to be okay with it. And if someone participates in a different festival than, than we are accustomed to, then we're okay with it. Because we realize that that stuff is not the center of the gospel. Okay? And we, it's amazing what I've found is that, and I've lived on both sides of the, the fence in this, and I've, I've watched through, um, at times, trying to pursue uniformity and figuring out where um, everybody else was at in the churches that I was a part of, and, and wrestling and worrying about some things a whole lot more than I ever should have. And you know what happened when I, when I started pursuing unity instead of uniformity? I'll tell you why. Let me take a time out here. Part of me pursued uniformity in the life for a while because I witnessed a church split that was really devastating. And so when you feel pain like that and you see destruction like that, you tend to start reacting in, in, in fear instead of faith. And that's, that's where I, I lived for a while. And I remember living in fear at what is the next going, big, uh, going to be, what's the next big heartache going to be because I was hurt so badly by that, I did not want that to happen again. But the more I started living by faith and realizing that God's people are diverse and we're going to have some different habits and traditions and things and we're going to be different, most importantly, different places along our faith walk, what happened is all of a sudden I felt a whole lot better because I didn't have to police everybody else. You follow me? Yeah. Because ultimately I was just walking side by side with other people that were in the process of serving God and were in the process of growing and stretching as well. And I realized that life was a whole lot And I realized what God was talking about in finding hope and joy and peace because I was able to find that because I didn't have to be in charge all the time. Uh, boy, there's something I, that's a very valuable learned during that time period of my life. And so for us, maybe what's important to learn here is that there will be times that come up where we have disputable matters that we have to walk through. But for us as a church, um, the, the churches that are the ones that, that really make a difference for God are not the ones that have the least amount of conflict that come up. I know that... Um, there's some material I do for couples who are uh, working on going down the road to get married. It's called Prepare and Enrich. And that material talks about how the couples that have the most amount of conflict are not the ones that are the least happy. Oftentimes, couples that are the most happy have lots of conflict, but they've learned how to deal with it in a way that's honorable. And so they can sit down at the table, walk through things, and, and walk away and be okay. And so that's the bigger issue here is, as individuals and as churches is realize there will be inevitably, and it's really great let me, to talk about this 
when there's there's not conflict, you know, that I know of. Maybe, uh, there's always conflict, but something big that's the elephant in the room sitting on the table. We can talk about this when that's not happening, okay? But for all of us is is realizing, boy, there's going to be times, there's going to be disputable matters that I have to wrestle through things with my brothers and sisters. But no matter what, I'm going to love them, I'm going to love God, and I'm not going to bail. Those are churches that make a difference that are full of people saying, I will love God, I will love my brothers and sisters, and I will not bail. I will walk through side by side as we work through this together, and God's going to work. And it's amazing how you look in the world, open up the newspaper, the world sees all sorts of terrible, unhealthy conflict. When we're able to come together as a church and as individuals, and we're able to walk through conflict and disputable matters in ways that's really honorable, then that's appealing. And it's beautiful because it is something that is of God. It's something that's very different than our world struggles to, to recognize and understand. And so that's my prayer for all of us, is that when we, as we go through uh, life and together, and as we go through our spiritual walk together, that when these matters that have a tendency to divide us come up, whatever it may be in our case, we walk through it loving God, loving each other, and being full of grace towards one another as we walk together. Let's stand and sing together. If you'd like to become a Christian, you're welcome to come forward. Or, or you can go to the back. The elders are waiting back there to pray with anyone who would like to pray with them today.